everybody's looking good tonight. Everybody's looking. I'm, it's like I'm in the right place. Glad you are here. So let's take a look at the scripture tonight. Scripture that we're going to start with is in Genesis chapter 17, verse 5. This is God speaking to Abraham. He says, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. So tonight, we're continuing with our theme. What's your name? Who's your daddy? Yes. We started last week, we talked about how we are no longer going to acknowledge you in the flesh, in the, in the sense that we, we no longer will, will see you as Jew or Gentile, American or Hebrew or any of those things. We are all one in Christ, and we are going to recognize each other, not by the spirit, um, not by the flesh, but by the spirit, all right? And, and I mentioned last week that, you know, you receive a new identity when you come into the kingdom. We talked about, you know, the ID that you use. If you don't have, and when you go to the airport, if you don't have the right ID, you're not going to go where you want to go. They will just stop you at the gate. If you don't have the ID that identifies you as the person who is authorized and, and able to go to that place that you bought the ticket for, well, you're not going. Well, we need to understand our identity, and we're going to continue in this series on identity with tonight's message, which is your name changed. Your name changed. You know, we revere Abraham as the father of faith, but Abraham didn't have a perfect faith walk. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate the Bible's honesty and, and how it kind of, it, it really, it does show you the good, the bad, and the ugly too when it's there. I appreciate the good things. That's the things that we admire about our, our, our faith uh, forefathers but, you know, there were some, some things that didn't go quite so well. And today, we're going to learn from Abraham's biggest mistake. But first, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you have healed our hearts. You've changed our names, and we will not be the same. Lord God, you have made us something new, new creatures, new creations, alive in Christ. And Lord, as we go through this message, I hope that, that you help me to speak clearly and give a message that is going to impact the hearts and minds of those who are with us tonight and those who will watch this online. Lord, I, I believe that you have some great things in store for each and every one of us here. And if we understand who we are, and even more so who you are, then we are on our way to fulfill the purpose and destiny that you have appointed for us. So Lord God, help us to grasp this message. Help me to, again, preach it well. And Lord, just ignite in our hearts a new uh, spark of life and freedom and, and joy for all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> well, on the journey of faith, Abraham blew it big time. I mean, Abraham blew it when he got into the flesh, and he brought forth Ishmael through Sarah's servant, Hagar. That was, in fact, 
the biggest mistake of his life. Now, we all make mistakes, and some of them are, are really whoppers. I mean, I, I confess, I have done that myself. But the good news is, we'll find this demonstrated in the life of Abraham. Those mistakes, by God's grace, can be overcome. Abraham and Sarah had a great promise from God, but that promise seemed to be delayed. It didn't happen when they thought it was going to happen. So Sarah got an idea, and she, you know, she already kind of concluded that she was barren and that she would never really have a child of her own. So, well, she thought of an alternative plan. And back in that time frame, If someone was barren, it was not unusual for them to select one of their servants to be a surrogate for them. And that's what she did. Her servant, Hagar, would be the one who would bear the child with, you know, having the, the, I'm trying to think of the delicate way to say this. Well, basically, she would have to have relations with Abraham in order to bring that child to being. So that was how they did it. Now, we have, of course, hindsight, 2020 vision in this. But how many of you could see this was a bad idea from the very start? <laughs> I'm, I'm particularly the wives. You know, they say, yeah, this is not going to be a good thing. And, and Sarah, in this analogy, Sarah represents the spirit. Hagar, her servant, represents the flesh. And so what is Hagar's relationship to Sarah? Hagar is her servant. So our flesh is to serve our spirit. Your flesh should be serving your spirit. Our flesh is to be kept under subjection to our spirit. Our spirit should rule, right? So Hagar's servant, or Hagar is Sarah's servant, but when Abraham agreed to to get into flesh, things kind of all went wacky. Things changed. And now Hagar becomes haughty. Hagar thinks that she has an advantage over her, her mistress, over Sarah. And Sarah can no longer seem to control her anymore. And, and this is what we need to learn here. Likewise, if you allow yourself to get into the flesh, your flesh will get haughty. Your flesh will get resentful. Your flesh will get difficult to control, and it's going to try and rule over your spirit. Giving into the flesh got Abraham Ishmael, of whom it is prophetically said, he shall be a wild man, and his hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And if you want to take a look at what's happening in the Mideast and all of the wars that have continued on for, well, ever since Canaanite days, You can trace it all back to Ishmael. You can trace it all back to this mistake. That is the root of it. So there are consequences when we get into the flesh and the mistakes that occur because of it. Ishmael was Abraham's biggest mistake. How many of you have ever made a flesh-based decision and reaped a mistake? (laughs) We all have. (laughs) We all have. One of the consequences of of having Ishmael's is that we have to live with them. There are consequences. And, And 
you have to live with those mistakes sometime. Abraham had, to, had Ishmael in his life for 16 years. Now, eventually, Hagar and Ishmael were put aside, but for 16 years, Abraham had to live with this mistake. And you know, many times you, you end up looking at your mistakes far too long. Mistakes are hard to get past. But here's good news. Even if you make a mistake, God still has a plan to get us to our destiny. And as one who has made plenty of mistakes, some of them whoppers, I believe that God is still working to get me to the place that he wants me to be, that he has destined me for. So if we do get into the flesh and we make mistakes, now don't think that it's not a big deal. You know, big mistakes tend to complicate your life. Big mistakes bring serious delay to you getting to your destiny. So it, it's a big deal. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm in a hurry to get to my destiny. I, I don't want any delays in getting to where God wants me to be. So if we make a flesh-based decision and we give birth to a mistake, beside the headache of having to live with it, we have also added a delay to our destiny. We've added a delay. But again, with God, there's still a way to get there. Genesis 21, 12, and talking about this situation, God is speaking to Abraham, and he says, in Isaac, not in Ishmael, he says, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Your seed will come from Isaac, not from Ishmael. Now, that's a wonderful promise. God is saying, Abraham, you may have made a mistake, but you're not going to have to be known for your mistake. You're going to be known by the redemptive purpose and plan that I have for your life. Right. You know, when we, we think about Abraham and, and we ask, you know, who is, who is Abram's son? We don't say Ishmael. We rarely even think of Ishmael. We always say it's Isaac. Mm -hmm. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so on. Abraham wasn't known by his mistake. He was known by Isaac. We, we've all made mistakes. And if we make that mistake, don't give up. Keep pressing on because you will not be known for your mistake. You'll be known for how he fulfilled his plan, his destiny in your life. But to move beyond our mistake, right? To get into our destiny, we've got to renew our mind. We have to understand that we have now a new identity. And that's where the name change, Abram to Abraham, comes into play. This is an important point. You're going you're gonna to like this if you've not really dug into this before. So Abram, right? Abram made a mistake. And we've all made mistakes. We could talk about, you know, Divorce, we could talk about immorality, we could talk about addictions, we could talk about abortion, all kinds of terrible sins that we could talk about, any countless number of sins that we have made and that we are paying or have paid consequences for. But there is a way. There is a way in God to keep on going. And when everything is said and done, everyone is going to forget about our mistake and we are going to be remembered for the working of God's grace in our life that helped us to fulfill our destiny. Now, I've told you this before, 
before I was saved, I was married twice. Two big mistakes. Two whopper mistakes. But people don't look at me and go, oh, yeah, we remember that. No, they see Sarah, my beautiful wife. We're coming up on 30 years of happy wedded bliss. People see that and they go, oh, they, they have a good marriage. They're not looking back to all the mistakes that I made in the past because they can see God's work in our lives. And, and that's what they're going to see when they look at us and our marriage. Because we made a change. We decided to go with God. We decided to allow him to, to change us and help us to fulfill the destiny that he has. And our marriage is part of that destiny. So... We might say of Abraham, well, what about Ishmael? Yeah, that was a mistake, but that isn't the distinguishing mark on his life, right? He brought forth Isaac. Hallelujah. Now, the process of getting there, that is getting beyond our mistake, begins by us renewing our mind to a new identity. And I don't think there is anything more important in the Christian life than being able to accurately answer the question, who are you? Who are you? In other words, what's your name? <laughs> what is your name? Until you know who you are, you won't experience the very best that God has for you. To move beyond our mistake and, and into our destiny, we have to renew our minds to our new identity. God said to Abram, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but you shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. Now, the actual name Abram means exalted father. Abraham means father of a multitude. A little difference in the name there. A little difference. God did not count Ishmael as the seed of Abraham because he was the child of the flesh and not of faith. God couldn't establish a faith legacy in something that was birthed in the flesh. Now, God was wanting to raise up a faith people, a faith nation, and establish a faith covenant, but he could not do that. It couldn't be done through Ishmael because Ishmael was a product of the flesh. So God did not count Ishmael as the son of Abraham. It had to be Isaac. It's, remember, he said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. In other words, your future. Your future generations coming from Isaac. Now, at the time that God changed his name, Abram and Sarai still had no children. And yet God changed Abram's name from exalted father to father of a multitude. Again, God did this before the birth of Isaac. So if we're going to walk with God, we have to understand some things that to us seem rather unusual. You're going to have to get used to this. But keep in mind... God is not the one that's weird. <laughs> we are the ones that are weird. The fall has made us weird. Sin makes us weird. God is not the weird one here. See, we think it's weird to call things that are not as though they were. We think it's odd to declare the end 
from the beginning. Right? But those things, they are natural to God. Those are natural to God. God calls those things that are not as though they were. And, and he declares the end from the beginning. And if we are going to walk with God, we're going to have to get used to that. Can you get used to God calling you blessed when you feel like you're not blessed? Can you get used to that? Now, it, it doesn't really matter how we feel. God's word is ultimate reality. God says to Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. And at that point, Abraham doesn't have any children, at least none that God counts, right? And God says, I have made you a father of many nations. Now, you and I, we would want to correct God and say, oh, oh, you mean you're going to make me a father of many nations. That's not what God said. And, and you can't correct God. Just accept what he has to say. You know, you can't go, well, God, I'm sure what you meant to say was in 10 years and maybe in 100 years, then maybe people will look back and, and they'll think of me. No, God says you are now a father of many nations. Long before he had any children that God would even count. God knew exactly what he was saying because God's word is ultimate reality. That's a real challenge for us sometimes. One statement like that and our flesh wants to throw a hissy fit. Listen to me. Our flesh doesn't want to walk by faith. The flesh doesn't want to call those things that are not as though they were. The flesh wants to call those things that are not, not. If we have some area of our life that, that doesn't seem blessed, you know, our marriage, our finances, our health, our flesh doesn't want to call it as though it were blessed. We just want to say it's not. It's not. When things seem to be going bad and we feel like we're a loser you know, the, the bills are piling up. We just had a big fight with our spouse. We feel depressed and all of that. Our, our flesh doesn't want to talk about how blessed we are. But if we're going to walk with God, we're going to have to start thinking and talking God's way. Because God calls those things that are not as though they were. The, the flesh simply calls those things that are not as not. But that's not how God is. In Amos 3.3, it asks a question. It says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Now think about that. Can you, can you really walk along with somebody else if you're not in agreement with them? Not well. Not well. So the moment that we start disagreeing with God, he says, we're blessed. And we say, I'm not. Then we're not walking together anymore. We're not walking with them. So Abraham agreed with what God said, despite what he saw. And he began to call himself by a new name. Abraham was renewing his mind to this new identity. And I'm pretty sure, you know, God didn't 
send heralds throughout the countryside to the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Girgashites and all of the others that were out there living at that time in the land that Abraham lived in and, and announced that Abram's new name is now Abraham. I'm sure that did not happen. God spoke to one man. He told Abram. He said, I'm changing your name. So if he was going to be called by that new name in his community, he would have to be the one that would tell everybody. (laughs) Think about that. My name has been changed. I'm no longer Abram. I'm now Abraham. Can you see him going out? I mean, you know, in the morning he gets up, goes out to get the paper, sees his neighbor across the, the yard. Hey, Abram, how's it going? Um, good, but my name is now Abraham. What do you think the neighbor is going to think? Well, you don't even have any kids, really. I mean, now you're a father of many nations, a father of multitudes. See, if we're born-again children of God, God has changed us. God doesn't speak about us like we speak about ourselves. God doesn't call us losers. Come on, read your Bible. He may correct the sinful behavior that we're engaged in, but even then, he's working to restore us to the purpose and the position that he created us for. God will call us winners. God will call us blessed. God will call us prosperous. He'll call us healed. He'll call us his righteousness. I mean, we don't even have time to look at all of the great things that God says about us, who we are now that we have come into relationship and covenant with him. I know a good deal of the time we may not feel like any of those things. But I tell you, we need to walk with God and we need to agree with God and we need to say what God says. And and let me clarify this. We are not playing some fanciful game of imagination. Oh, just think of yourself in a better place. No, this is not wishful thinking. We are agreeing with God. You have to get this. We are agreeing with God. If God says it, we need to agree with him, and we need to say it. Wow, but pastor, you know, I have to live in reality. (laughs) Do you know anything more real than the word of God? Is there anything more real than the word of God? God not only changed Abram's name, he also changed his wife's name, Sarai, right? He changed Sarai to Sarah. The name Sarai means injured one or one with pain. Sarah means princess with power. Yeah. That's a big change. That's a a big change, a big identity shift. No doubt, Sarai had pain. I mean, think about what she'd been through. Her barrenness would bring heartbreak to any woman, especially in those days. I mean, it was a shame. It was a, a cultural stigma. And then you have the episode in Egypt where Abram talks her into saying that she's his brother or her sis- his sister. You kind of get this. Yeah, I'll get that right. She's, she's his sister. And Abram you know, lets her be taken into Pharaoh's harem. Now, that might produce a little insecurity. Wives, am I right? Yeah. 
And then you have that whole incident with Hagar, where, you know, Hagar gets all uppity and, and starts making fun of her and mocking her and, and bringing up and throwing in her face the fact that she is barren and hasn't had any children. You know, the failure that she's always lived with is now magnified even more. No doubt she is an injured one. She's a woman with pain. But God is going to give her a new identity. She is no longer to be injured. She is no longer to be that pained one. She is now a princess with power. Now with this new identity, she got new faith. From new faith, she got new strength. And from her strength, that new strength, she got her dream. And that is the progression of your dream. From, from you to get to your dream, you get a new identity, you get new faith, you get new strength, and then you see your dream. In fact, let me show you this scripture in Hebrews 11, verse 11, the faith hall of fame. It says, by faith, Sarah, not Sarai, Sarah, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. As long as she was Sarai, she was never going to have faith that produced strength, that would produce conception and her dream. She had to get a new name. She needed a new identity. Sarai never had a child. Sarah did. See, there's also a, a deeper, more spiritual meaning encoded in the name, the changes that were made to their names. Both Abram and Sarai had their names changed with the insertion of a Hebrew letter, heh, I don't even know if I'm saying that exactly right. It's the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. When, when we translated into our anglicized spelling it it's the ah in their names all right that he is the fifth letter of the hebrew alphabet and god added it to abram and sarai's name on his fifth visitation to them if you read how many times God appeared to them on his fifth visitation also in in biblical numerology 5 is the number of grace Imagine that. Grace was added to their names. The rabbis tell us that this, this he is a part or it belongs to the covenant name of God, Jehovah. Abram becomes Abraham. Sarai becomes Sarah. Sarai got over her pain. Hallelujah. As long as she was, was Sarai, she was injured and she was full of pain. But when she became connected to the, to the name Jehovah, when she became connected in that, that covenant, she became a princess with power. And I tell you, the Spirit of God is striving today to change our identity. The Spirit of God, I'll say it again, and you need to grasp this, the Spirit of God is striving to change your identity. We are not the hurt ones. We are not the disappointed ones. We are not the depressed ones. We are not the broken ones. Now, you may identify yourself that way, but that is not how the Spirit of God is identifying you. 
He's trying to change that identity. By his grace, we are people of the covenant. We are children of God with faith and with strength, and our dreams come true. This whole process is the process of a name change, a, a, a new identity is really, it's common in covenant, right? We even understand that. When my wife became my wife, she came into covenant with me. She left her old name. She took a new name. We come to God and we take on something of his name because we are joined in unity, in covenant with him. And that new name exemplifies his grace. Hallelujah. That supernatural empowerment to live the life that we were created for. And as a Christian, you have to ask yourself, what is your new name? I mean, you've joined yourself to Christ. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that you just belong to a Christian religion. <laughs> really is no such thing as a Christian religion. It's just life in Christ. Right? It's knowing God. It's, it's being connected with the living God. It's flowing in the grace of God. That's what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is one who is connected to or, or most literally belonging to Christ. Christ, the, the, the Messiah. The anointed one. Yeah, Christ is not Jesus' last name. That's his title. He's the anointed one. And you belong to the anointed one. You are connected to his anointing. You are now in the bosom of his grace. You may have been a loser. You may have been a sinner. You may have been a, a person that was filled with hurt and shame. But that is not your identity anymore. You have a new identity. You are in Christ and you have his victorious anointing in you and on you. Hallelujah. I said earlier, one of the most important questions that, that we can answer in life is, who are we? Who am I? Who are you? What's, what, what is your identity? What is your name? And I tell you, you are who the Word of God says you are. You are who the Word of God says you are. If you don't read the Word of God, especially the 87 times in the epistles where it talks about who you are in Christ, you will never know who you are. It's all there. If we don't know who we are, we'll do things that we're not anointed to do. That we don't have grace to do. We'll end up thinking that, that we're failures. We're not failures. We're just doing the wrong thing. Any one of us can have big problems. And any one of the, the big problems in life that, that we have, people will try and use that to label us. That's the way they want to identify us. Don't let other people define you. All they see is the flesh. They're not looking at you from the spirit. They'll keep you the way you are if you'll allow them to. Don't let failure define you. Failure is not an identity. It's an experience. <laughs> A universal experience. <laughs> we, we've all been there. Everybody fails. We don't want to internalize our failure and make that our identity. 
right? I mean, that's a road to nowhere good. Don't do it. When we fail, let's just consider it part of our education. Yeah, I just took a class on humility. (laughs) It's an education. You will get one if you fail, as long as you learn from it. We can't allow weakness to determine our identity. Weakness is really, it's an irrelevant focus. Everyone has areas where we are weak. It's just humanity. Don't focus on your weakness. Focus on your gifting. Focus on your... I could be the world's biggest failure. I mean, I'm pretty sure I could be the world's biggest failure if I just tried to do all the wrong things. I could do it. I have faith in myself. (laughs) I have faith in my abilities to do the wrong things really well. I could be a big failure. (laughs) There's no sense in doing that. And don't let tragedy determine your identity. Tragedy will always keep you living in the past. Your destiny is your future. Your destiny is in the future. So don't hang out with the past. Don't let anything other than the Word of God, really, anything other than the Word of God and the revelation of the Holy Spirit define who you are. And I've got one last scripture here for you in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And I just got myself all happy reading this scripture when I was preparing this message because I saw some new things in there. This, this book that we have is a mirror, this Bible. It's a mirror. Let's read what it says. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the Bible is a mirror for us. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. The Bible is a mirror, but it's not an ordinary mirror. Right? The purpose of an ordinary mirror is to reveal us as we are. The purpose of this mirror, this Bible, is to reveal to us how we are in Christ. That's a big difference. It's how we are in Christ. And I I want you to notice this, this particular line. Beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord. Now when you are looking into a mirror, what are you beholding? In a natural mirror, we're just seeing ourselves. But when we're looking into this mirror, we are beholding something. We are beholding the glory of the Lord. But again, we're looking into a mirror. So what are we seeing? We're seeing the glory of the Lord in us. It's His glory that allows us to be who we are, allows us to progress, to to be the kind of people we are called to be as believers, as, as followers of Christ. This mirror that we are looking in beholds, or uh, that we behold, our own reflection shows the glory of Christ if we'll see it from his perspective, if we'll take what his word says. As we begin to see who we are in Christ, a transformation begins to take place. And we begin to behave like that person that we see in the mirror of the word of God. When we see ourselves in Christ, we'll see ourselves healed. We'll see ourselves happy, joyful, 
prosperous, blessed. We'll see our families blessed. Not because of who we are. We are not beholding our glory. We are beholding His glory. And it's His glory that transforms us. So what's your name? Who's your daddy? Very simple questions. But very relevant and important if we are to walk with Jesus Christ and fulfill the purpose that he has for us. The devil wants to call you all kinds of other names. The devil wants to keep tagging on you any of those negative names that you've probably had to fight off from time to time. What's your name? It's the name that God has given you. We've been given a new name. We've been given a new identity. We need to renew our mind to the new identity that we have in Christ. Amen. Amen. Just begin to allow that to just envelop you. Let his spirit begin to reveal to you all that he has for you and all that he has proclaimed over you. It's in the word, like I said, 87 different times in, in the New Testament alone. It tells us who we are in Christ. We need to get that as our identity and hold fast to it. Amen. Let's begin to sing. Let's, let's go to him in worship. And even now, this would be a good time to say, Lord, I'm going to set aside all of those things that I thought of myself. I'm going to set aside the identity that, that the world stole I'm going to see that new name.